Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. We're just a few days away now from the return of Premier League football. We don't have many days left, do we, Pat? Nice to speak to you. We have Pat Rowe today. And we're just going to be talking about the pre-season schedule, a couple of bits and bobs from the Villa Park redevelopment. There was a committee that was speaking about it today and that's all being ratified, which is good news. And then a couple of bits about transfers as well. So, Pat, how are we today? I am fantastic. I'm on that weird bit of just before Christmas where I don't know what day it is and I'm just trying to like crawling over to Christmas now. Six day working week, I'm getting through it. Horrible weather, but you know how it is. Excited to get back into the swing of things with Villa, to be honest. I've had a, it was a nice break watching England. It's rare that I say that, to be honest, but I enjoyed it, um, regardless of the result. And yeah, I'm excited for domestic football to be back now. And especially with Emery, to be honest, you know, going into every fixture now, a few weeks ago after the Fulham game, if it was Gerard still in charge, you'd be like, oh, returning mm-hmm. football and got Liverpool at home. But we're going to these like pretty hopeful, I think. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. So today we've got a couple of things to catch up on really obviously the pre it's like pre-season it's, it's not really pre-season it's the pre-season keep that. it keeps getting me while I'm writing reports it's been like pre-season pre-season yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about yeah obviously the Liverpool game ahead then Spurs and Wolves follow quite quickly after that I think it's three games in eight days maybe nine days something like that um, bit of transfers to Villa Park redevelopment as I say has been ratified now so lots to talk about we'll start with the pre-season Pat um, obviously First team go to Dubai for, I think, the best part of a week and then one game in Abu Dhabi against Chelsea. It's probably a good idea to get out from Bodymore Heath. It was, what, like minus two at some point last month or yeah. the start of this month, sorry. Um, one weather training, what were your thoughts on that? Obviously, we played two games as well, Chelsea, Abu Dhabi and uh, behind closed doors against Brighton in mm-hmm. Dubai was the first one. They selected a strong lineup in both of those games. I was expecting to see a bit more... Um, I don't know, supposedly different players playing, but I guess now we are in the middle of the season, it's not much point in trialling loads of different things. Yeah. We know what players are going to play and which ones aren't. Um, do you think it's a good thing that we're sort of using that 4222, 4222, or the system? Yeah, it's using that a lot and using the players in the right positions. So, yeah, your thoughts on, um, say, the pre season that we've just had? I've been trying not to, obviously the results happen, don't they? And people read into it a lot and you see the tweets flying around. And, oh, we lost to Villarreal and whatnot and stuff like that. But I try not to look into the result too much because it is just what it is, isn't it? It was a warm weather training camp. Probably was a bit of a morale booster for him as well, getting in the sun away from minus two here. I don't blame him, to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, just keeping the fitness levels up ahead of that return to Premier League football was key. Um, while a few of the lads were away in, uh, in uh, Qatar, obviously. I, it was a bit of a struggle to watch the game as like closely as you would an actual Premier League game, I found, because obviously the production of it isn't as good and you can't blame them for that. It probably is a, a makeshift job and it cut out a few times. But there were some nice bits. I think the game between both sides, especially the 
Brighton one, I think, was a bit laborious. But there was that move in the Chelsea game, wasn't there? Our first goal. And it was like, yeah. I think that prime Emery ball, to be honest. It was like moving up from the back, Watkins dropping deep. And then Luca Dean, I think, played it to McGinn. I can't remember the exact details, but it was just nice to watch. It went, they went round Villa Twitter, didn't it? Yeah. That's what we'll be hoping to see on a more consistent basis, but it's just translating that into a consistent basis for Villa, which has always been the problem. Um, but as you say, it was good to see a few cameo uh, appearances for a few players, see a bit more of Archer. Arjen Reiki, I don't know if I butchered his name there, but I've really enjoyed watching him, to be honest. I think he could play a big role in that uh, four, triple two formation. You've mentioned about Emery, the defensive role. He looks like he's a bit of an all-action midfielder. And I kind of mm. like the fact that he's got a bit about him as well. He's got, I like players that have a bit of character. You know, yeah. He's gangly and he's got his socks down low. He's a bit of a character to watch. quite enjoy it. Who knows if he'll have a future at Villa or if he'll break into the Prem team, but, you know, Embry seems to be a fan. Don't know what you made of him, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, probably one of the main positives that will come out of the preseason, really. Obviously, mm-hmm. him and Caden Young, 16 year old Caden Young, which is, I can't get my head around that. Like, oh, we're, we're like 22, 23. It's, um, it's mad. I think he was born in, what would that be, like 2006 or something? Like, that's insane. Um, what, year, what year is, is 16? Like, what year at school is 16? Is it year 11? That's last year. It's GCSEs, isn't it? So, GCSEs, dear God. Mental. And I think he's come back after Dubai and continued to train with the first team as well, which must be really good yeah. for him. It wasn't just a, a sort of, oh, we need one more man or one more boy <laughs> to like fill yeah. out the uh, travelling squad to Middle East. Instead, he's come back and he's continuing to impress clearly. Uh, so that's really good. Sends the right message, doesn't it? And I think Emery used two youngsters at Villarreal. Uh, Nicholas, Jack- Nicholas Jackson's quite young. Jeremy Pino. All players that are sort of first teamers now, and Caden Young's probably some way off that still. But at sixteen to be doing that is quite something. And as you say, Arjun Reiki as well. Um, he never looks out of place in a first team. And I think he went to was it Stockport? I think it was yeah, Stockport. Grimsby, I think he's been. Yeah, Grimsby, I think. Yeah, and it wasn't the most productive loan ever. But that's on, on the face of it. But the point in a loan move, as we've seen, like with Cameron Archer, for example, going to Solihull mm-hmm. Moors, not really scoring, but then all of a sudden yeah. he's good be playing at least in the championship it's just having that experience of being away from you know where you are at body more and getting an experience that isn't just playing on the football pitch so maybe that served him you know just as well as playing uh, 90 minutes in the league two team or whatever for you know 16 mm-hmm. games in the season uh so that's really positive what do you think about the four triple two because obviously that is clearly work at least at the moment with the squad that emory's got that's what he's going for at the, at the when he was appointed even the four-two-three-one. I thought everyone probably thought that was the way it was going to be included. Um, obviously, it's much more complex than just a system because out of possession, it looks to be like a four-four-two. Yeah, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? To me, it's getting the most out of quite a few players, as you mentioned, John McGinn as well. That goal that we scored against Chelsea, mm-hmm. John McGinn is in that position because he's allowed to be. I know that sounds a bit stupid, but under Gerard, I don't think he'd be making that run because he knows he has yeah. to be covering fullbacks or whatever he was doing. So, what do you think about the uh, system that Emery has been using in the first couple of months of his tenure? I mean, yeah, I spent, before he was appointed to the role, I spent hours trying to look into the system. And it, the thing I noticed was it changes at every team. So, I, I would, like yeah. everyone else, I was trying to predict it. And I did go with the four two three one because I thought that, you know, Aaron Danks went with it for that his first few games. And it was just like, we lit Villa Park a light on that day, didn't we? So, it was, I, I was expecting that. But, yeah, Emery's coaching capabilities. He's a tactician and he analyses every little detail. He's seen this out of nowhere. No one predicted a 4 2 
and it's working, to be honest. It is getting the best out of our midfielders that maybe wouldn't always get a place into the team. I think you've got the double pivot of Louise and Kamara, which looks really balanced. I think everyone's been praying that we see that kind of, that midfield for a while. I was kind of stressed that I'd never see it again, to be honest, because obviously <laughs> Louise's contract and Kamara's injury, I thought we were going to carry over into January and not see it ever again. And I just, the one we got away kind of type thing. I didn't see McGinn kind of playing as a number 10 or a, in a right mid. It probably works as a right midfielder as well in the outer possession, doesn't it? I didn't predict that, to be honest. I thought I didn't see him in a, mid, a midfield too, but it's nice to see McGinn included. And if he does kind of forge a role, it'll be good because I think everyone wants to see McGinn back to McGinn's best. I think, as you say, he's had the shackles on for a while now in a villa top. And it's not been ideal. I think the fan base, a proportion of the fan base, I should say, have got on his back a bit. But I would like to see yeah, like that championship style again, getting back into things. And the Brighton penalty, that was a flashback again. His finish against Chelsea. Was it Chelsea or Brighton, the finish? The, uh, was it Chelsea? Chelsea, yeah. That, it's all confidence building. And he's seeing the ball go in the back of the net and he's contributing in games. So if you can bring that forward, it'd be good to see. I'm interested to see... Buendia as well, how we go with that? Because against Brighton, was he the supporting striker in the two? Yeah, he was. And I think he was moved yeah. out wide. But yeah, he started as a two. Yeah. yeah. So I originally, he was one of the players I thought would, would be one of the first to thrive under Emery. But it's not quite happened as I thought it would. It hasn't really hit the ground as, as I thought it would under Emery. So mm. I want to see more from Buendia, I'll be honest. But yeah, Bailey in that supporting role. Just looks like a, a, re, a man reborn, doesn't he? Um, yes. It's exciting to see that going forward. I would kind of say I'm slightly worried about Ollie Watkins because we've seen in the past how he struggles in a, a front two. So then you get the argument going of, is Danny Ings better suited to playing in a front two? Because that's where he played the majority of his time for Southampton. Yeah. I think in the small snippet we've seen, maybe he might be. But I, I did have a little laugh to myself after the Brighton game, just before the... Um, the break I saw tweets going around it was like oh that's what happens when you put like a clinical striker up front and I was like yeah I'm all for supporting Danny Ings when Danny Ings scores and whatnot but I don't think I'd use that performance as a as like a bat to hit over Watkins head yeah yeah yeah, yeah. put a penalty down the middle that a keeper got a hand to and that finished for the second one I think even he was laughing about it so (laughs) I'm not going to say that's a clinical striker when I see one but yeah it was a bit lucky um, but yeah, I, I like the formation. I don't think many teams predict it. I don't think many teams anticipate it happening. And I think he's getting the best out of the players we've got here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And then coming back to the UK, we obviously had Villarreal, what, like three or four days after we t- we returned from Dubai. Um, we lose the game 1 0, but as you say, results can't really be sort of yeah. viewed upon as negative. the weather for that one. It was, wasn't it minus four? Fair play to anyone that went and watched that. One. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was horrible. I, I was covering the um, under-18s in the Youth Cup against Brentford a few days before that, and that was minus two or minus three, and that was bitter. And oh, it was horrible. So yeah, watching the a one-nil loss to Villarreal probably wasn't much better. Um, it was a defensive error, wasn't it? From was it Callum Chambers? I believe it was. Trying I've, to play I haven't watched any highlights. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the highlights of that. I think yeah. I was I was covering. I can't remember. I think I was covering Stoke or someone. And I just didn't get round to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we during the game we played well. I think with the post twice. Uh, was we there were, a goal disallowed as well? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, but we, ultimately we say so we dominated the game. What you want to see in these at this stage, like in a preseason, is that style being implemented. And I, I always said in the summer when we had Gerard uh, during that our actual preseason in the summer, we'd be winning games and like drawing to Man United or whatever, and beating Leeds, and beating like Brisbane. 
but there was no real identity to it. It was exactly what we were been saying since we've ended the season. But then this is different. We are trying to see different things. We're trying to see us play out from the back. And yes, we are making a few errors like we did against mm-hmm. Brighton in the Premier League. Uh, we did it a couple of times with Olsen in the Brighton game, I think, too. Yeah. But I guess it's about getting to transfer windows. Can you identify yeah. players who can play that brand of football and these players aren't going to learn the Emery way unless they actually do it and start straight away. So we're not going to be, you know, going long balls and not, not, not going long ball, but we're not, not going to be playing out from the back just because it might serve us better in one single game. We're going to be doing it because it's going to get us results over the course of, as I say, Emery's tenure, whether that's three or four years. So we need to start doing it. And yes, it's only a friendly, but you do want to see players sort of get to grips with it sooner rather than later. I think for Chambers, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a naughty one because you've got Diego Carlos coming back mm-hmm. soon, hopefully maybe in February. Um, obviously, Constra Mings are his competition at the moment too. Jan Bednarek's on loan. So probably wasn't the best audition for him in terms of being reunited back with Emery, having played with him at Arsenal. But the Villarreal game itself, yeah, we played well. Um, and then so to lose the game, it's a bit of a whatever. But to compete against a very good team that Emery obviously knows a lot about. And they played a stronger team. Obviously, we played strong too. And then we play Everton. I think that was last night, wasn't it? Yeah, that was or, last night. Yes. The port count, didn't it? Yeah, and behind closed doors again, like the Brighton game was. So there's, there's not too much that we can talk about. But from the report that was given, it was I think Everton went up two 0 quite early on. I think. Um, I think it was Anthony Gordon, and it was I can't remember the other one. Okay, Malpai, our classic Malpai versus Villa. <laughs> it's gonna happen. That's why everyone's so wound up about it. It's just fine if we lose one nil and Gordon scored, it's fine. But it's because Malpai scored. Just <laughs> in a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And then uh, I think we had a couple of chances. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we lose two 0 But again, we haven't seen the game, so we can't really comment on too much. Um, yeah. What do you think about those two games? Part obviously two losses, but that's not going to make much of a difference when we play against Liverpool in front of forty-two thousand on Boxing Day. I don't yeah. think those results will matter at all. No, like you say, it wasn't it under Gerard he kept having behind closed doors friendly to keep up match sharpness. And we beat Brentford for like three, three <laughs> and we were watching the highlights like, oh my god, we're back. <laughs> Gerard's taking us to the top. It's every no panic's over. Gerard's restoring us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can't read too much into it, can you? Um, as I said, I am a bit annoyed that Malfoy scored, but I'll get over it in a few days. <laughs> um, I'm excited for this Liverpool fixture, like I said at the start of the podcast. My first fixture this season, I haven't been able to, from covering other teams and whatnot, I haven't been able to get there yep. yet. So I'm excited to get there. It's Boxing Day football. It's always good. In the last, we were, it was Chelsea last year, wasn't it? And we play, I thought we played all right then. I think it was a Matty Cash penalty incident that yes, it was. Chelsea back into the game. Matt Target scored. It might have been his last ever involvement in a Villa shirt, that. Um, <laughs> the one before that, it was that Norwich game where Grealish set up poor hand. I just feel like yeah. boxing day football at Villa Park is just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Liverpool, no Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunez, didn't have a great World Cup. Obviously, Salah's had a rest, but Salah wasn't in the best of form to start the season. I know he hit form just before. And obviously, we can get at Liverpool at Villa Park. We know we can, um, especially with 42,000 there. It's going to be a good day. I'm looking forward to it. Um Score prediction, I'm not really too sure because I don't know what Villa's going to turn up. But I thought we were making progress under Emery before it. But obviously, you said, I don't know if you're going to take into account the friendlies and what's happened yeah. now. Probably shouldn't read too much into that. But I'd say Villa will get a result there. I'm predicting 2 1 win, I reckon. 2 1 win. 
I'm I'm quite confident as well. Um, I suppose the only issue that we talk about is the uh, goalkeeper. Uh, the goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. oh, I forgot about that when I made yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still winning. It's fine. Um, yeah. Robin Olsen, yeah. as far as we know, is has got a knock or is nursing a knock at the moment. We don't know if that's going to keep him out for Monday. It's not it's Christmas Day, is Sunday, isn't it? So Monday. Yeah. Seem, that seems like a long way away. So I'm still on a Monday or two weeks ago from where we are now. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Emi Martinez is in Argentina celebrating winning the World Cup. He's drunk somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't blame him. Um, and Philip Marshall was in goal, played 90 minutes against Everton in the behind closed door friendly uh, on Wednesday. No, yeah, Wednesday. So that leaves us with a bit of an issue, goalkeeping wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, that, as far as we know, a decision hasn't been made on Martinez yet. We'll get more clarification on that from Unai Emery tomorrow uh, in his pre-Liverpool press conference. But it's while we fought four days away, I think Brighton gave McAllister two weeks off, which would see him out of both of uh, Brighton's first two games back. I don't know what Villa are going to do. Martinez is in the past jetted back to Birmingham with like a few hours mm-hmm. to spend four games. I think the Everton game, he come back and he a hangover. <laughs> yeah. So it's a difficult one, and obviously they just won the World Cup too. I would say it's probably highly unlikely that he plays Liverpool, but I think he might be playing for Tottenham. I don't know that's mm-hmm. completely off punch because, I don't know. It, to be honest, it probably depends where, where does he want to spend Christmas as well. I don't know if he's yeah. got family over in Argentina. I presume he does. Um, but maybe he wants to come back home for Christmas, which would see him probably playing for Villa the next day. I don't know. That's probably the, the only solution that there is. Uh, but the odds are, at the moment, would be... Always, Obviously, Olsen playing with an injury, which isn't ideal. Or Philip Marshall, it's a, it's a bit of a headache, isn't it, Pat? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, like you say, with Martinez. The only thing that kind of makes me feel like he might come, definitely not, I'd say he's definitely out of the Liverpool game in my head. Like, he's just yeah, won the World yeah. Cup. He's, he's having a few, like, he needs a week off at least. Mm-hmm. So I'd say he's not coming back for that. Like you say, the Spurs game, I'm banking on him being back for that, to be honest. New Year's Day. I'm only going to say, I probably am going to annoy the goalkeepers that are listening, but as a goalkeeper, you are not running. 10, 12 kilometers per game, are you? You are. You have to be on the top of your form, obviously, but you're not running 12 kilometers. You're not round the pitch. So you probably can recover a bit better than, like, say, McAllister or someone like that that was putting in the hard yards throughout it. I think it's just a mental battle for him. Is he mentally ready to come back into the into the pitch? Yeah. Which I completely is fine if he doesn't want to um, come back yet because he's clearly he's slightly off the rails at the moment. Um, in a good way, though. I think I. Don't bemoan him for his antics currently. Um, yeah, like you say, Robin Olsen, I thought he looked better in a few of the friendlies. Not completely confident, but better than the United game and whatnot. And just to mention Philip Marshall, I think he played... I watched the Cardiff friendly, the memorial game for Peter Whittingham. I think he yep. played in that. It might have been a, like a, a small snippet of him or a half. I can't quite remember. But I just remember thinking he looked quite comfortable on the ball which I think will go a long way under Emery, to be honest. I think especially showing it at such a young age, 
he's obviously working with the likes of Olsen and Martinez daily and whatnot. And Sinisalo, I've got to mention, he's an international now for Finland as well. He's working with international players every single day of the week. So he probably is going to take confidence from that and go into games confident. So I'd back him if he came into the lineup. It would be a big task, but we've seen how Villa youngsters can perform against Liverpool's first team in the past. And Brodkey was one of them, wasn't he? When they're thrown into the deep end. Um, So, yeah. I'd be completely fine with it, but like I said, I'm taking hope from the fact that they said small injury for Olsen. So I'm hoping, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping it is a small one. And obviously you want your more experienced keeper in, in, in the lineup, don't you? Yeah, you would have thought that Olsen would be ready for that. I think, again, small injury would suggest that he would be okay to play 90 minutes at least, or at least play some part of it. And if needs to be, you've got another keeper on the bench, I suppose. It's not ideal situation because you are playing Liverpool. But, yeah, as long as we know that Martinez will be back for Tottenham, I'd probably take that because mm-hmm. you don't want him missing both those games and then he's coming back in for Wolves and it's, a, as I say, three games and yeah. short space of time, it's a tight turnaround. And to be honest, I think Martinez, if the club ordered him to come back for Liverpool, he would because yeah. he's that kind of guy and he, he owes everything to, not doesn't owe everything to Villa, but he owes a lot to Villa for taking the chance on him. And I believe we, what was it, the Chelsea game that we allowed him to miss because of Jed Steer? Uh, Jet yeah, like yeah, he gets jet lag, I think. Was that the one at Stamford Bridge? Not, yeah, I think he did. finest performance. <laughs> Him and Buendia both missed that, didn't they? On, on the club's yeah. sort of position. So, um, not saying he owes us one at all, but, you know. No. But it'll be, again, celebrate all you need. Like, he's just won the biggest game in football. You yeah. have, have your week off, miss a game if you need to. But I'd like to think about for Spurs just because, as you say, it's not an outfielder and he can just stand between the posts and it's it's a mental game, isn't it, at that point? So, mm-hmm. um, on Martinez, Pat, what do you make of the kind of, I, I say, antics uh, during the penalty shootout against... Yeah. Uh, who did they play again? <laughs> I forgot. Um, France, yeah. Uh, and after the, the uh, final as well, obviously, the thing is held up a baby of Killian and Mbappe's yeah. face. He sung a couple of songs. Um it's quite. We'll focus on the penalty shootout to start because I think Ian Wright said something like it was uh, he crossed the line or something. Yeah, yeah. He I, went I, back on it. He originally said it was fine, I think, and then he went back yeah. on himself and said it wasn't fine. I'm like completely baffled by it. What What did he do that was so like against the law? It, I, I know he threw the ball away once and yeah. probably shouted at the players, but he's in the biggest game of his life. Mm-hmm. What do you expect him to do? Like. If he's going to get an advantage, then do it. I, I don't know why there was a bit of an uproar about that. I think most people were probably like, oh, whatever. But it's probably the stuff afterwards yeah. that that most people are probably looking at and thinking, oh, you're a bad sportsman or whatever. But yeah. come on, he's, he's had a drink. It's, it's Maybe he's had a drink. Yeah. And it's I can't confirm he's had a drink. Yeah, he's had a world, He's won the World Cup. Like, I think people should probably just get off his back. It's not, like, it's not important. This guy was contemplating leaving football like five years ago at Getafe yeah. and now he's lifting the World Cup and he's done it for Lionel Messi both of the international honours that he's won with Messi have come with him in goal like if that makes sense so yeah. every time Lionel Messi looks back on his career and thinks oh the Copa American World Cup every time I've played in those competitions I've always had world class strikers mm-hmm. midfielders defenders near me what's the difference it was Martinez so yeah fantastic sort of well ever since he joined Villa Martinez, his career's just done that. So fair play yeah. to him. And I think everyone that's kind of calling him out for bad sportsmanship or whatever, you can have your opinion, but I don't think he cares, to be honest. No, no. I think he is the type of character that just wouldn't care. Fair play to him. If I had just won the World Cup and helped Messi to get the World Cup, I probably you probably wouldn't see me for like four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um I'll you say I don't think he did anything wrong whatsoever, even like a hint of doing anything wrong in the actual penalty shootout. Same against Holland uh, Netherlands. 
Yeah. I think that's perfectly reasonable in the game of football. I feel like everything on the football pitch is this type of thing you have to be ready for. And these like, players have built their whole careers on being elite in terms of their mentality as well as their ability. And they're yeah. just fine with it. If if Emmy Martinez throwing a ball is why you missed a penalty, you probably shouldn't be taking a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, yeah. I'm not here to judge him for the, the rest of the antics, but I'd probably say I can see where people are coming from when they say cradling a baby with Kylian Mbappe's head on after he's just put four past you. Is probably not the wisest of choices, but I've seen also seen comments like, "Oh, that's going to come back to bite him." I don't think it will come back to bite him because I can't see Villa playing PSG for a good while, and I can't see Emi Martinez leaving Villa anytime soon to go and play people like PSG. So I'm going to put nip two things in a bud, bud there. And France aren't going to be Aston Villa to win a World Cup. <laughs> so no, no, I think he's perfectly safe away from Mbappe's. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's fine. And he can celebrate as much as he wants. But, yeah, I'd probably put a deadline on him getting back into fitness for the 4th of January. I think it's the 4th of January we place, face Spurs. Well, so, yeah, yeah, get back Wolves. for that one. Is that Wolves? Wolves, yeah, Spurs, uh, New Year's Day. Oh, Spurs. Uh, yeah, it should be back for them. Enjoy your Christmas and then get back on it for a week. Yeah, I think that would make more sense. But, as I say, we'll get clarification from uh, Mr. Emery tomorrow and that will all be uh, confirmed. Uh, Pat, moving on to the Villa Park redevelopment uh, sort of update, if you will. The Birmingham City Council had a meeting today and have ratified all the plans, which is good news. There was a lot yeah. of concerns about the transport, which is still obviously existing because you need to see concrete proof that the transport has improved. I think the main talking point for them was cars being, obviously, because it's been boosted now to 50,000, eventually, hopefully, to 60,000 capacity. Um it's the traffic and all the car spaces as well. Obviously, there isn't enough of them around Villa Park at the moment. We sort of have to park right out um, in Aston and then around Witten. And then you have to get out and it might take up to an hour to get home if you live like half an hour away. It's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a jaunt to get in and out of the stadium sometimes. So those things do have to be improved. But it's good news that the council have so ratified the, uh, the new North Sand build and the Villa Live facility as well. Yeah, 100%. That Villa Live, it's going to be like prime box park in a World Cup, yeah. isn't it? It looks really good, to be fair. Yeah. Um, like you say about that transport, the, the video they released, Villa released the, vid, the like CGI one or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it just looked a lot more spacious around the ground, like even yeah. the north, like around where the club shop usually is. I think they're just going to demolish a lot of the area and just make it look like like a kind of like fan area. Like I go to certain stadiums, I remember going to like, I think it's the Millennium one in Cardiff. And it's like a village around the place and like the Olympic Stadium and stuff like that. You want to keep the actual atmosphere and like historic and like look of the actual stadium, but you, you can modify and bring things into the future around it. And I think they're going to do that. I'm just happy they've straight off the bat mentioned the train station because when you lose 3 0 or whatever and you're walking out of down that alleyway to the station and you turn left and see that line going down the whole of Litchfield Road, it does make you want to cry just into your hands a little bit. So I'm happy that they're they're trying to address the issue. I don't know what they... The statement was pretty brief. They're just saying they're looking into it. So they don't really want to comment on everything yet. But I'm hoping some details emerge. I think they said spring 2023 is when they're going to start and it should be between 18 and 24 months for it to be concluded. So it's exciting times nonetheless, yeah. Um, it goes with the vision of the club. Hopefully, the on-pitch performances up until that point and throughout the construction of the stadium 
keep up with the vision of the club. That, that's the worry for some fans, I think. Yeah. We're talking the talk. It's time to walk the walk. And I think Unai Emery is the right guy to do that, to be fair. So, yeah, it's hopeful. It's looking good. Yeah, definitely good news. Uh, the final item on our agenda, I suppose, is transfers. We're only a few days away from the window. Now it's it's crazy, really. Like It feels like we're only... Well, I don't know where this year's gone anyway, but yeah. to only be, what are we, like a week or so away from the January window opening, it's crazy. So Villa have probably already mapped out their plans, I would have presumed, in this six-week break. Probably, you know, that helps too. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk around certain players, the <laughs> Jao Felix being one. Um, there hasn't necessarily been an update on that, but the point still stands of we've got to convince this guy to join the club, which is already going to be a, a tall order, let alone negotiating with Atletico. Or, to be honest, that side of things probably isn't so bad because obviously Mendes, I think it's well reported that he's kind of pushing the Villa move because he gets on with uh, Suarez. We've got good relationships with him there. I think they want to sell as well. I think they've just sold Cunha yeah. to Wolves and they want yeah. they want need money, don't they, have to drop out of the Champions League. Yeah, so I don't think that side of the deal is particularly difficult, but Jao yeah. Felix, who's a Champions League player coming yeah. to Villa, that's some sort of sacrifice for him for how many years he'd want to stay here because, let's yeah. be honest, we're going to get in the Champions League within, within five years. Probably not. Yes, we could do Europa League, but Jao Felix isn't going to be staying there for 10 years, is he? So... Yeah. It'd be some commitment if he wanted to do that, but I would doubt it, to be honest. I think Arsenal like him. I think there's obviously the clubs too. There's probably more attractive offers. I mean, we're Villa fans, but we can't say Arsenal isn't a more attractive move for him at the moment, especially with Jesus uh, being injured. Marcus Turam, Nicholas Jackson, other attackers that have been linked as well. Pat, is there, obviously that seems to be the position that we're looking at. Is there other positions or do you want to speak about that position in particular? Or is there any other positions that you think Emery needs to look at next month? Um, I did a piece on it the other day and I was just, I said like four deals I think Villa should complete and one of them just get Ashley Young extended just, just off the bat, I did that. I also mentioned maybe a reserve keeper. This isn't a dig at Robin Olsen, but it just does seem like he's under the cosh a bit when Emery asks him to play out from the back. Hmm. I mean, I think it impacts his confidence as well doing that because it's, it's kind of like Tyro Mings where he's a great defender, but if you ask him to do too much from the back, the errors start creeping in and that's what they get stick for and I don't want to see any player get stick, but if that's how the manager wants to play, then the manager has to assess if, if that's what's going to happen. Then you keep hearing links to other keepers and whatnot. This Bono guy from Morocco, the Morocco keeper, I think he's too good to be a backup keeper and I think they're just rumours coming in from... Clubs may be circulating around Martinez, but I don't think he'll leave personally. No. Like you mentioned Thuram earlier, I've I've loved watching Thuram play football since lockdown. You know, when we had that bit where it was just German football on TV. Yeah. Cunha and Thuram were just up there. I was just like, oh, this is great to watch. Um, Thuram can play wide, can play up front, powerful, strong, finish. I think he's got, I can't, maybe 13 goals and 15 appearances or something, or 13 goal involvements this season. Yes. Yeah, he's really like that. And um, so, yeah, he'd be a real, real coup if we got him. But I, th- I think I heard, uh, what's his name, Alan St. Maximan talking about him today, saying, oh, he's been speaking to him about Newcastle. And obviously, Newcastle's financial power is pretty hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and the fact he's on such a low, uh, what do you call it, his contract's running out, isn't it? So it'd be a bargain transfer. There'll be a lot of clubs after that, especially after the likes of Arsenal. United just got rid of Ronaldo, they need a striker. 
So there's a lot to compete with, and the January window also brings a bit of a tax, doesn't it? You have to pay a bit more and whatnot. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where he'll go with it, to be honest. I think he's got the midfield two pretty much sorted, unless he wants to recruit just in case Louise goes on to move on and that new deal was to protect his value, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe another winger, like you say, the wide positions. Maybe if we got another one, it'd give us another option to turn to away from the four, triple two. True. Um, but other than that, maybe he'll just try and filter out the positions that Gerard kind of moulded to his squad, so the Augustinson and Bednarek. Yeah. I can't see them staying permanently, so maybe Emery will bring in his own left-back and bring in his own centre-back and whatnot. And then hopefully Diego Carlos returns pretty soon because oh, I can't wait to see him playing football again, to be honest. And I think he'll be be a big, big asset for Emery building up from the back, to be honest. So yeah. that'll be promising. But other than that, I'm not maybe two to th- three max signings, I'd say, in January. Yeah. I think it's, right. it's one of those. Personal said it last January, so the start of this year, um, when we got Coutinho and Luca Dean over the line, both of those were, I think he called them opportunistic signings. Mm. I think that's what January is, isn't it? So you're not going to be getting, you might, sorry, you might not be getting, or you might have to be patient on your number one target. But if something becomes available, then you can, and you can do it, then Villa will get it done because we have the finance in place to do so. But that isn't really what a fan wants to <laughs> They want to be hearing that we want to spend more strong. money. Yeah. So, love. Prime example is probably Buka Kamara. I think in the yeah. January we were we, well. To be fair, we were linked with Basuma, and I think we wanted him. He was obviously an excellent player as well. Um, but we said no to that deal because he was too expensive at the time. And then Kamara comes up for a free, and between those two players, there's not a whole lot difference of quality. Uh, and you've got one for like forty million pounds less <laughs> on a free. So um, it makes sense, doesn't it? Over the course of you know the two windows, and that's how Villa see it between the January and the summer windows. They, they don't sort of block one off it's there together uh, so it makes total sense and I'm sure that Lang has been working hard with Emery over the last six weeks to identify those targets speak to the agents and sort of get the ball moving you know yeah. get the ball rolling sorry on those on those deals um, so yeah uh, January window should be an exciting one we'll see what gets done uh, but that's all we have time for today Villa back in action on Monday Boxing Day then tight turnaround for Spurs on New Year's Day then Wolves on January the 4th That'll be a very cold night at Villa Park. You can really tell that. Uh, Pat, thanks for joining me today and recapping the last few weeks of the hectic life in Villa. And uh, for the viewers as well, thanks for watching this episode and we'll be back for probably a Liverpool reaction will be the next video. Um, And we'll catch you then. So if we don't see you before, have a Merry Christmas and up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.